Welcome to the Menifee United Church of Christ podcast. Menifee UCC is a lively, loving, open, and affirming church. A church that follows Jesus' great commandments. Love God, love others, love yourself. A church that welcomes everyone. A church that speaks truth to power. And a church that works for justice more than just us. second reading this morning comes from the book of John, chapter 20, verses 1 through 18. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Then Peter and the other disciples set out and went toward the tomb. The two were running together. But the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down to look in and saw the linen wrapping lying there. But he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen wrapping there, lying there, and the cloth that had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen wrapping, but rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And she wept. She bent over to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head and the other at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. When she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, do not hold on to me because I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and to your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. Thus ends our inspired reading this morning. Amen. Amen. Uh, I gave you fair warning. Uh, 
So a question before we begin, if I may ask for those who are at our Good Friday service, what stood out to you from that, if you'd be willing to share a little? I guess a better question. Oh, go ahead. Well, I'm just going to say that the Good Friday service that uh, I shared a little bit over text that seemed like funeral type environment, right? The, the just passing, if you will, right? Mm -hmm. So tying these two together kind of closes the loop a little bit, makes it a little less harder to take what I heard on what we read on Friday. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A yeah. Good Friday service is a hard service. Um, it's Linda's shaking her head. I would say that it was, and I've been to a lot of uh, services, not necessarily a Good Friday service, but a lot of Easter services, and I would say it was more touching. It was more in tune um, to what had happened uh, more than, because we always seem to uh, think about that he has risen, which is a great thing, but we don't think about all the other parts that led to it in the same text. So what stood out to you in this morning's reading? <coughs> it stood out to me that when they were running towards the tomb that Peter fell behind and the other disciple made it there first, unnamed other disciple, and that even though Peter got there last, he was the first one to go straight to where Jesus had been. He's always been the type of person Except for half, right after, right when Jesus had been handed over and he denied him. But other than that, he's always been the first person to go straight to the stores and go straight to Jesus and try and figure out what he needs to do. He doesn't let anything else stop him. Wow, thank you for that. Jake, um, it felt to me that um, Jesus um, decided. I'm going to disguise as someone to see how my wife reacts. Oh, we're going to talk about that a little bit yeah, today. Yeah, that kind of confuses me, though. <laughs> <laughs> like, who says, I'm going to be a farmer today? Yes, you brought up some great elements we're going to talk about today. Yeah, I was confused. Jacob, I, I'm so glad you're here every single Sunday. So good. I think the emotion going from grief to euphoria in a brief period of time so the grief to euphoria, euphoria in a short amount of time. Yes. Oh, this Easter message this morning. Is there anybody else that had something just speak to them for a reading? That's okay. However you answer, or not. I think it's. Um, inspiring how committed they were to before they realized that he had risen. You know, he's been persecuted. Everybody's against him. He's now passed. You're not going to be interacting with him in their, from their thoughts, right? Mm -hmm. With him, like, on this planet. And yet they're still so committed that they're going, that they're distraught, that he's been moved, that they're trying to find him. Like, that's just such, such a strong commitment. Thank you, Felicia. Jacob, you've got a question? Um, yeah. So, why didn't the first guy go in? Mm, we're going to get there. Like, he, he just runs there. He's first. He stands there. He's, is he just going to stay there? <laughs> and why, why doesn't he go in? Like, 
Because if your Lord has been taken, why not go in? That's a beautiful question. <laughs> That's a great question. It's either he was scared that he was going to be God and ambush them. So it's like, I'm going to let this guy go in first. <laughs> or he was just being scared. Or maybe there was something else to it, too. There might be a third option there that we can talk about. But those are really good deductive reasonings. You're a smart cookie, Jacob. That's for sure. So, what do you know about Mary Magdalene? Or what have you been taught about Mary Magdalene? Who is she? The old story was she was a whore. The old story is that she's a whore. I finally come around to realizing that that was not the case. Right? Anybody else hear this story of Mary? Right? Oh, she had this Mary. She... Didn't know how to be with men. She didn't know how to love herself to be with men. And so when Jesus came into her life, of course, all she could do then was fall in love with Jesus. And let me tell you, that could not be further from the truth when it comes to Mary, which is why I bring this up. Because Mary unto herself is an incredible figure within the story and the Easter story. In Luke 7, we read about Mary Magdalene for the first time. We read about Mary and how Jesus came into her life and she had many demons. And scholars at the time, well, in our modern day area, reflect on those that were demon to mean that those were things that were possessing her, living, keeping her from living her the best life that God had for her. So these were things such as illnesses, they could be emotional, they could be spiritual demons, mental illness. Um, things that come in. She had many of them. But when she came across Jesus and he offered her a blessing, it says that she was healed, that she was released from those demons. If we go one chapter further, we come across another Mary in Luke 8. This is the Mary who was one who didn't know yet how to love herself and so found herself continuously used by men. And throughout time, it's been easy in history to just bring them in as the same, but they are not the same woman. The Mary from Luke 7 became an apostle of Jesus's. Her life was so changed. Her life was so freed, found freedom from her engagement with Jesus that she continued to be with him and to learn. So... <laughs> Many today might um, say, uh, have reflected within this last week or so on Jesus Christ Superstar. Everybody familiar with that? Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And she goes on to lament, I don't know how to love him, right? But the truth of it is, is that in order for us to understand this story, we have to give Mary the dignity that she has, which is that she was a student. And I know that my story would be incomplete if in my education I was only seen for mourning after my male professors. <laughs> yeah. Right? So let's give her that dignity. She's a student of Jesus's. And as such, she has so life, such a life-changing event with him that she wants to learn from him. Angry question. Yes, Marcia. Does it say in the Bible anywhere what her first encounter with men was? Was she raped? Was she abused by her father? Does it say Completely anything? different Mary. 
Look into Luke 8. We're talking about Luke 7. There's two women by the name of Mary. I don't know if you've noticed, but Mary gets used a couple of times in the Bible. Lots of Marys. Right? Just like Jesus wasn't the only Jesus in the Bible either. Uh, we read that at Good Friday. Jesus um, also had um, Barabbas. Exactly. So two different women. This woman, this Mary that we are talking about here, Mary Magdalene, we have no account that she was ever wayward with men at all. Oh. Yeah. But what we do know is that she was a student of Jesus's. All right. So we have to give her that dignity. Then as we go there, she goes to the tomb. And what does she see? It's gone. An empty tomb. That's right. And she runs. So it's interesting. In parallel, we were just talking about Lazarus. And when Jesus appeared to to save Lazarus' life, the stone had to be removed. But when Mary appears, the stone is already gone. Something has already taken place. And Mary, because she is human, such as we all are, may not have even been able to contemplate that this was something of God. Well, especially when he was, he was, when she witnessed it, persecuted and, and disrespected, and that was the way that it was around there. So you could see that it would be easy for her to jump to that conclusion with what just happened. Absolutely. Absolutely, Felicia. And she saw him die. We have a privilege in our modern-day society as Christians to say, we know we will have the Good Friday, but Easter will come a few days later. But these people at this time, they did not yet know. This was something that had never existed before. They couldn't contemplate what this might look like. But what she knows is that she can't find Jesus. And so she runs to the house. By Jewish law... A woman cannot declare a crime at the time. The crime can only be valid and continue to be investigated by the word of two men. So she runs to the disciples. She runs to what certain scriptures and translations call a house locked with fear to where the disciples are. She tells them what she's seen. And then two leave. Now I have to pause here for a moment, because can you imagine Mary showing up just absolutely weeping, just so heartbroken and whatnot? God bless them, but what do the men do? Up and run, right? They just up and leave. And I wonder if Mary was there still in sorrow. And this foot race that begins between the two of them, what is happening there? Right? My goodness. One of the uh, disciples is known as the Beloved. Some call him John. John the Beloved. So it's implied that it might be John. But as they're running, Peter leaves first. John follows behind. This into itself is a beautiful paradigm in which we have John the Beloved who is running to Jesus. And then we have Peter, who is running to Jesus, who not more than just a few days prior had denied him, had turned away and is now running towards. 
Who's been there? What is the intention of that run towards Jesus' tomb? It could be to see. It could also be that there might be an association with the swiftness of running to Jesus might be correlated with discipleship. The faster I can get there, the faster I can do something, the more Jesus will see. If I'm the first to arrive at Jesus, maybe then I'll be at the right hand. They get to the tomb. Mary comes after. I don't know about you all, but when I'm running, I'm usually the last one to appear. Never arrive at all. <laughs> Never arrive at all. Mary arrives. And we have John looking in. Jacob, we go back to your question. He looks in, but I wonder if he sees anything. Yeah. He gets there expecting something, right? But he doesn't see anything. So he turns and he walks away. And then Peter arrives, and Peter goes into the tomb. He goes into that place of death where Jesus' body is supposed to be. And as he looks, he's able to see the head cloth, and he's able to see the linen that Jesus' body was wrapped in. He can't make sense of it, possibly. So he also turns. John comes in with him, and eventually they see this together. They can't make sense of it. They leave. They go back to their house, what the scriptures say. Maybe to say, yes, now we can report the crime. And then Mary comes. And to me, this is where the Easter story begins. Mary arrives last. Mary arrives with a different intentionality from what we read in the scriptures. She comes seeking and searching for a God, for her Lord Jesus, her teacher. And as she looks in, what does she see? Angels. She sees two angels. Does she recognize the angels? No? Yeah. She doesn't, actually. Yeah, I know. I would think if I was in the presence of angels, I would know. Right? No. She doesn't recognize them. And they say to her, no, they're angels. She doesn't know they're angels. No. And they ask her, woman, why are you weeping? And I can imagine a Mary who is so distraught. Where have they moved him? How many of us have experienced a Jesus in our lived experience and then it felt like Jesus had been robbed? had been taken and moved, and we don't know where he is anymore. Whether that be in religion, whether that be in our own journey with God, I don't know where he is. And all I want to do is know that he's safe and that he's honored. And then she turns from the tomb. And as she turns from the tomb, she sees someone who also asks her, woman, why are you weeping? And she thinks it's the gardener. This is where my wife last year pointed out to me, probably because Jesus was brown. 
<laughs> you think? <laughs> you think maybe? <laughs> She's standing in front of Jesus and she doesn't recognize him. She's standing right there. And here's where it changes. Jesus said to her, Mary. He calls her by name. He knows her. She may not know him, but she knows her. And he calls her by name. And it is in that moment of calling her by name and hearing her name uttered on Christ's lips that she realizes who she's in the presence of. And she cries out, Rabboni, which is not lover, it is not husband, it is not anything other than teacher. Teacher. And as we have our Easter, I contemplate, do you know that your name is upon God's lips? Are there times in life when you are standing in the presence of God, but you don't even realize it? Because you're searching so hard and you're searching so long. You're trying to do all the right things when the thing that you need is to be known and to feel like you are known. Jesus knows Mary, and he knows you. She knows you. You are known, and you are beloved, even in your weeping. That's when she knows that God is there. That's the new life of Easter me. And as she tries to hold on to Jesus because she has been so filled with sorrow, she reaches for him and he says, you cannot hold me. And we live in a world where Christians love to hold on to Jesus, right? I'm going to hold on. I have this proof. I know what I know. Let me tell you about the proof. And Jesus tells us in the Easter story, you cannot hold on to me. Mary has to accept that she will not have physical proof. She has to rest assured for the first time that she is in the presence of Jesus. And that has to be sufficient. They can no longer go to the past and the past relationship that they've had. They have to have a new relationship. I warned you all. <laughs> Another level of teaching, right? Another level of teaching. To a mere woman. To me. And he came to her even though she showed up last. Absolutely. He knew her heart. He knew her heart. She knew she... Her getting there was not necessarily, being first was not the importance. She saw differently than the other two saw. That makes me feel good, because that they show up 
you know, not on time or, or I'm not, you know, where I think I should be or I'm always running. You know, so it's nice to know that that's how God saw her and it's beautiful. So this idea that we have to do so very much in order to seek God's approval. She was the last to show. But yeah, she had the blessing of being the very first to see the resurrected Savior. And as such, my finishing, because who I'm a preacher and I can go. <laughs> wrap this up. Um, he sends her out with a commission. What does he what does he ask of her to do? Huh? Oh, oh yes. You go deep sometimes, Jacob. Wow. <laughs> little prophet over here. Tell the disciples. Tell the disciples. Right. Now, just to put some context into what this may have looked like for the time. Here is a woman who by societal standards, her voice is not as weighted as men's. She is, according to the book of John in the Synoptic Gospels that we have, there are women who come. But in the book of John, we have Mary. Mary has to find the courage to come into this house locked with fear to these men and to tell her truth. And I love that invitation and that declaration that God gives to her. Because God, Jesus does not say, go and convince them of what you saw. Go and make sure that they have the exact same experience that you had. Make sure that everything is the same for everyone. Those are the disciples in the house. But Mary at this time becomes the first apostle. Because she is the first to receive something to do from Jesus and to go and do it with the resurrected Savior. So this really, this is really different than a lot of churches. <laughs> <laughs> Why, thank you, Felicia. I'll take that. But this is really interesting because this really speaks to the partnership and the relevance and the importance of men and women in, in equal balance to Jesus, mm -hmm. right? And not just that they're going to tell us <laughs> and they're going to be in charge and not that we're better. He's not saying, Mary, you're, you're, you know, only women are important, but he's saying, Mary, this is my, your experience now. I want you to share it with the men in an, in an equality place. Said exactly, but yet she didn't have equality in the place that she was speaking. Jesus also, when he was alive, commissioned the same of the woman at the well. And he said, go and speak of what it is that you've experienced. And to me, that is, thank you, Felicia, because it is. It just brings to light this beautiful equality that we're all needed. And we're all needed to tell our experiences, not for the purposes of convincing anyone. But I myself, as the pastor here, as your pastor, my, my hope is that you have a better understanding that with God, you are known. Your name is uttered from God's lips. 
you're welcome to come to church. And together, I hope that we come and get batteries charged and we go throughout the week and whatnot. But for me, the most important is that you have a relationship with God and that you feel known and that you feel seen by God. And then from there, you speak of your own experience. That's it. That's what Jesus asks of us. We go oftentimes to houses of fear. And we say, I know what it is that I know. This has been my truth. And with that comes new life. Another form of resurrection. Where once we were dead, we are now alive. In a new way. Filled not out of fear like we experience on Good Friday and sorrow and mourning. But because there is such an abundance of good news. That you are loved. That you are beloved. That you have the potential to create love in this world. On behalf of yourself and God. And that is the good news. And with that brings new life. Letting go of the past, learning from the past, not forgetting, but learning from the past, letting go of the past, and living into a new life that you are known by God through love. And to me, that is the beauty of the Easter message. (laughs) Does anybody have anything they would like to add? I like the very ending where it says, go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father, Mm -hmm. to my God and your God. Not just my God, not just my father, my father and your father, my God and your God. So, thank you. I say these things. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. To contact the Menifee United Church of Christ or for more information, go to menifeeucc.org. Thank you for listening.